Okay, brothers and sisters, praises be to our loving Abba. And we are gathered once again to study his holy words. So we're going to study today, book of Numbers, chapter 9 and chapter 10. Chapter 9 and chapter 10 actually are, are about the instructions of Yahuwah God to Moses before the census was taken. If you still remember, we studied a while back about the census and how God organized the people of Israel into different camps and God organized how they are to march up from Mount Sinai to the promised land. And so this was the, the way God organized his people. However, before they actually go through the wilderness, they need guidance. And so our topic for today is the guidance that God provides his people through the wilderness. We need guidance as well, right? Because the wilderness journey of the people of Israel is likened in so many ways to our personal journey here on earth. Because just like the people of Israel, we go through difficulties from time to time. Sometimes we get lost and distracted. Sometimes we don't know where we are headed. And so we need proper guidance through the wilderness so that we can reach the final goal, which is to be with Yahuwah and his beloved son in the eternal kingdom in heaven. And so we have so much to learn from the way Yahuwah God provided guidance for the people of Israel throughout their journey in the wilderness. And so what is needed, what is vital that they needed to know and remember so that they can be well prepared in their journey across the wilderness. Let's begin Numbers 9, 1 to 5. A year after Israel's departure from Egypt, Yahuwah spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. In the first month of that year, he said, tell the Israelites to celebrate the Passover at the prescribed time. At twilight on the 14th day of the first month, be sure to follow all my decrees and regulations concerning this celebration. So Moses told the people to celebrate the Passover in the wilderness of Sinai at twilight, as twilight fell on the 14th day of the month. And they celebrated the festival there, just as Yahuwah had commanded Moses. And so right before they go through their journey to complete the pilgrimage all the way to the promised land, before they even start, leaving Mount Sinai, what did they have to do first? They had to celebrate the Passover. This was actually their second Passover. And so in the Passover, if you still remember, as they celebrate this festival of Yahuwah, what was it that they were instructed to do? It was to select a lamb that they were to slaughter on the 14th day of the first month. And this would be the in commemoration to what Yahuwah God did for his people, right? What did God do for his people? God liberated them, set them free from bondage in Israel. And so the purpose of the Passover lamb was to remember the beginning of Israel. And so it was on that day that a nation was born. It was on that day that they fled from Egypt to become the people of God. And so to begin their journey, it was necessary for them to understand, to remember, and most of all, to celebrate their beginning. Because if you don't know where you came from, how can you reach your final destination? So it's important that we celebrate where we came from, the origins of our calling as a people of God. Well, how about if there were those who had legitimate excuses for not being able to celebrate the Passover? Let's read the book of Numbers 6 to 7. But some of the men had been ceremonially defiled by touching a dead body, so they could not celebrate the Passover that day. They came to Moses and Aaron that day and said, we have become ceremonially unclean by touching a dead body. But why should we be prevented from presenting Yahuwah's offering at the proper time with the rest of the Israelites? You know, sometimes there are things in our life that we don't plan on occurring or plan for. 
and it just happens, right? Life can be very unexpected. Look at uh, this group of men who wanted to celebrate the Passover, but it turns out right before the Passover, right before the instruction was given, they probably attended the funeral, they touched a dead body. And so because of this, they could not participate in the celebration of Passover. And so they asked Moses, well, we want to still celebrate the Passover, but how can we when we have been ceremonially unclean? So what was the response of Moses? Numbers 9, verse 8, Moses answered, wait here until I have received instructions for you from Yahuwah. There are many things in life that happen to us that we never planned for. How many here plan for a pandemic? Nobody planned for that, right? How many here planned that we were going to leave the institution? Nobody really planned for that, right? And so we have a lot of questions in our minds. For example, how are we going to celebrate the Passover, which is Yahushua's Passover, which we recognize before us the Holy Supper during our time, right? These are the things that we need to know the answers to. And so what must we do? Well, when this situation came up, what did they do? They presented a case to Moses, and Moses said to them, wait until I receive instructions from Yahuwah. And so we need to do the same thing because we sometimes, or from time to time, we get the question, how can we still have the Lord's Supper, right? Which is Yahushua's Passover. If you should remember our study concerning the Passover. And so what we need to do is to consult with Yahuwah God. So what did Yahuwah say to Moses concerning this situation? Let's read what it says in the book of Numbers 9, 9 to 12. This was Yahuwah's reply to Moses. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the or in future generations are ceremonially unclean at Passover time because of touching a dead body, or if they are on a journey and cannot be present at the ceremony, they may still celebrate Yahuwah's Passover. They must offer the Passover sacrifice one month later at twilight on the 14th day of the second month. They must eat the Passover lamb at the time, at that time, with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. They must not leave any of the lamb until the next morning, and they must not break, break any of its bones. They must follow all the normal regulations concerning the Passover. So normally, in ordinary situations and circumstances, when was the Passover celebrated? On the 14th day of the first month. However, there are situations that we do not plan for. And because of this, Yahuwah gives an opportunity still for people to have and to celebrate their Passover. What did he say? What provision did he give? Yahuwah God says if they're ceremonially unclean, they're on a journey, then they can offer the Passover sacrifice on the second month. One month later. And so in our case, how are we going to have a Passover? How are we going to celebrate Yahushua's Passover? In the same way Moses had to present the case to Yahuwah, this is what we also need to do. So we ask that you please be patient so that we can still study further what Yahuwah God reveals so that all of us can do and fulfill Yahuwah's will, especially when it comes to the Passover. But the point is, it is so valuable that we partake of Yahusha's Passover, because in doing so, we are able to remember and celebrate the beginning of our calling and election as people of God. Now, those who neglect partaking of the ceremony. What is Yahuwah's warning against them? The book of Numbers 9, 13 to 14. But those who neglect to celebrate the Passover at the regular time, 
even though they are ceremonially clean and not away on a trip, will be cut off from the community of Israel. If they fail to present Yahuwah's offering at the proper time, they will suffer the consequences of their guilt. And if foreigners living among you want to celebrate the Passover to Yahuwah, they must follow these same decrees and regulations. The same laws apply both to native-born Israelites and to the foreigners living among you. And so what is the warning of Yahuwah against those who purposely neglect the Passover, the celebration of this festival that is instructed by Yahuwah? Bible says they will be cut off from the community of Israel. And so before they went on a journey across the wilderness to the promised land, Yahuwah instructed Moses, celebrate, do not forget to celebrate the Passover. And so the guidance that Yahuwah provided begins by remembering and celebrating your beginning. Because when we don't remember and are not thankful and celebrating why we are God's people in the first place, we will not have the proper foundation by which we can complete our journey. However, what also is needed for us to be able to complete our journey? Let's fast forward a little bit, jump to Numbers 10.29. One day, Moses said to his brother-in-law, Hobab, it's a nice name, isn't it? Hobab. Son of Ruel, the Midianite, we are on our way to the place Yahuwah promised us. For he said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we will treat you well. For Yahuwah has promised wonderful blessings for Israel. And so what was also key so that a person can complete the journey to the promised land. Here, Moses, before they went across the wilderness to go to the promised land, he spoke to his brother-in-law. What's his name? Hobam, the son of Ruel. Who was Ruel? Yeah, Jethro. This was the father-in-law of Moses. And so, what did he offer him? He said, why don't you go with us? Why did he say, why don't you go with us? Because the place where they were going to go, what did Moses believe? He believed that place is the place where God will give to them his promised wonderful blessings. After all, it is the promised land, which is why he said we are on our way to the place Yahuwah promised us. In other words, for us to be able to complete our journey, it's not enough that we that we know and remember and celebrate where we came from, our beginnings, right? We also need to know and remember to have the goal, the finish line in mind. Do you get it? Because if we don't know where our finish line is, if we don't know where our final goal is, we might get stuck in the middle. And we don't want to do that. If we want to go through the wilderness, we need to know the end point. Otherwise, we're going to wind up going around in circles. And so we need to know where we came from. We need to know the goal so that we can go through the wilderness and complete our journey. What else do we need to be properly guided across the wilderness? Numbers 9, 15 and 16. On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. This was the regular pattern at night. The cloud that covered the tabernacle had an appear, had the appearance of fire. What also provided guidance for the people of God throughout the wilderness. It was the cloud and the pillar of fire. And this was a visible form of guidance from Yahuwah God. The cloud and the pillar of fire that represented Yahuwah's presence. And so with the presence of Yahuwah, they were guided through the cloud, through the pillar of fire. And so how were they guided through the cloud and the pillar of fire? Book of Numbers 9, 17 and 18. Whenever the cloud lifted uh, from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. 
And whenever the clouds settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. This way, they traveled and camped at Yahuwah's command wherever he told them to go. When they remained in their camp, as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. And so how did Yahuwah God guide his people Israel through the cloud and through the pillar of fire? Well, they basically followed the cloud, right? Because wherever the cloud went, that's where Yahuwah was. And so if the cloud was stationary, what does that mean? They had to set up camp, right? Whenever the cloud moved, what did they do? They followed the cloud. Back then, they had no GPS, right? Today we do. But Yahuwah, his GPS is far, far more sophisticated. Why? Let's read the book of Numbers 9, 21 to 23 sometimes. The cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning. But day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped or traveled at Yahuwah's command, and they did whatever Yahuwah told them through Moses. And so the journey that was planned by Yahuwah God for his people to follow, it was not a straight line, right? It was not, okay, stay here for one day after an hour, go back and travel again. No, God was guiding them in a sophisticated way because you have to keep in mind, Yahuwah can see things that the people could not see, right? And no GPS can do that. This is why Yahuwah God knows exactly when to stop and when exactly when to go. And so our part, their part, as far as following the guidance of God is concerned, we need to trust him. Maybe there were times when they told Moses, we stayed here for a month. It's time to go. No, you have to trust Yahuwah God's guidance. And so sometimes they would say for two days, a month or a year. The important thing is you have to trust and follow Yahuwah's guidance. When it's time to move, when it's time to go, Yahuwah will give you a clear indication of that. That's the purpose of the cloud. That's the purpose of the fire. And what also did the, 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 the cloud and the fire serve in terms of Yahuwah God leading and guiding his people? Exodus 14, 19 to 20, the angel of God who had been in front of the army of Israel, moved and went to the rear. The pillar of cloud also moved until it was between the Egyptians and the Israelites. The cloud made it dark for the Egyptians, but, light, but gave light to the people of Israel. And so the armies could not come near each other all night. And so this was in the book of Exodus, if you still remember, who was in hot pursuit of the people of Israel. The Israelites, right? They thought they got the people of Israel trapped. But Yahuwah God, using his angel and the pillar of cloud, the cloud separated the Egyptians from his people Israel. And so in a way, Yahuwah God used the cloud, the pillar of light, to protect them from the enemies. Because in the wilderness, there's going to be many enemies. One of the purposes of the cloud and the light or the, 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 the fire was to protect as well as guide the people of Israel. How else did it protect the people of Israel? The book of Exodus 14, 24, but just before dawn, Yahuwah looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. And so whenever there were those who would attack the people of God, pillar of fire, the cloud, God will use that to confuse and destroy the enemies of God's people. So God protects his people. This is why when we make a journey, it is so important that you do not take that journey across the wilderness by yourself. We cannot survive without the guidance of Yahuwah, our God. What also was the purpose of the cloud and the fire? The book of Isaiah 4, 5 to 6 then Yahuwah will provide shade for Mount Zion and all who assemble there. He will provide a canopy of cloud 
during the day and smoke and flaming fire at night, covering the glorious land. It will be a shelter from daytime heat and a hiding place from storms and rain. And so Yahuwah's cloud, Yahuwah's fire also served as a canopy to provide day, to provide shelter from daytime heat and a hiding place from storms and rain. So God provides whatever is needed for the safety of God's people in their journey. What else was the purpose of the light? Psalms 105, 39, Yahuwah spread a cloud above them as a covering and gave them a great fire to light the darkness. Not only did God provide comfort, he also provided guidance by means of light in darkness. You have to keep in mind, in the wilderness, they don't have artificial light like we do now, right? Sometimes when you drive up the mountain and they don't have the street lights up there, you turn off your headlights, it's really dark, right? People of Israel, they had no light. I mean, the only light guiding them were the stars, the moon. It was probably nice and bright and very visible because there was no artificial light. However, it was not enough. And so Yahuwah God himself provides light across and through the darkness. What did also God, what did Yahuwah God also do through the pillar? Let's read the book of Psalms 99 verse 7. He spoke to Israel from the pillar of cloud and they followed the laws and decrees he gave them. God also spoke the pillar of cloud. And so the cloud and the fire represented the presence the guidance and the protection of Yahuwah God. We need that when we go through a journey across the wilderness. And what did this show? When God gave the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, what did that show for his people Israel? Nehemiah 9.19. But in your great mercy, you did not abandon them to die in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud still led them forward by day. Pillar of fire showed them the way through the night. You know, despite Yahuwah God's mercy, despite the fact that Yahuwah God showed the people of Israel that he was able to defend and protect them from the Egyptian army that was out to kill them, they still rebelled against God. This is why God decreed they had to stay in, Israel, in the wilderness for 40 years before making it to the promised land, right? Despite that, though, God did not abandon them. God punished them, yes, but God did not abandon them. This is why throughout the wilderness journey, God provided the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And so guidance through the wilderness, what they needed was first to remember and celebrate the beginning, how they became the people of God. This was commemorated by the Passover. Number two, you have to keep their, mind, their goal in mind, which is to get to the promised land. That's the goal. And number three, they needed the guidance of the cloud and the pillar of fire, which represented the presence of God. What also was needed to guide them through the wilderness? Let's read the book of Numbers 10, 1 to 4. Now, Yahuwah said to Moses, make two trumpets of hammered silver for calling the community to assemble and for signaling the breaking of camp. When both trumpets are blown, everyone must gather before you at the entrance of the tabernacle. But if only one trumpet is blown, then only the leaders, the heads of the clans of Israel must present themselves to you. So God provided guidance through the pillar of fire, the pillar of clouds, right? But also God organized his people, Israel, through the blowing of what? Trumpets. Depending on how the trumpet was sounded, it communicated different signals. For example, when it is blown, it could communicate it's time to be near the entrance of the tabernacle. And so what were the different ways that the blasts of the trumpet communicated a signal to Yahuwah's people? Numbers 10, 5 to 8, when you sound the signal to move on, the tribes camped on the east side of the tabernacle must break camp and move forward. When you sound the signal a second time, the tribes camped on the south will follow. 
you must sound short blasts as the signal for moving on. But when you call the people to an assembly, blow the trumpets with a different signal. Only the priests, Aaron's descendants, are allowed to blow the trumpets. This is a permanent law for you to be observed from generation to generation. And so what were the different purposes of the blowing of trumpets? Sometimes it would signal it's time to move, right? This is why when you sound the trumpet, the, the, the tribe or the camp on the east side, whose camp is that? The east side, if you, if you still remember. That's the camp of Judah, right? The south, camp of Reuben. And so they follow in an orderly way. And it's led by the sounding of trumpets. And so different sounds from the trumpet communicates different signals that is a call to specific kinds of actions. What are some of these actions indicated by the blowing of trumpets? Numbers 10, 9 to 10, when you arrive in your own land, which is the promised land, once they get there, right? And go to war against your enemies who attack you. Sound the alarm with the trumpets. Then Yahuwah, your God, will remember you and rescue you from your enemies. Blow the trumpets in times of gladness too, sounding them at your annual festivals and at the beginning of each month. And blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and peace offerings. The trumpets will remind Yahuwah, your God, of his covenant with you. I am Yahuwah, your God. But also is the purpose of the blowing of the trumpets, not only as an indication it's time to move, time to start traveling again. It also was used to sound the alarm of what? War, right? But not only in times of war, also in times of gladness. And so when there was a festival, it was to the people of God would sound the trumpets. By sounding the trumpets, what does God do? He will remember you and his covenant that he has made with you. And so there's a purpose for the blowing of trumpets. It's one way of, it, it was used, God used it as a way to mobilize the people together to alert them of certain things. And what was one of the major ways that the blowing of trumpets was utilized. The book of Ezekiel, let's jump to Ezekiel 33, 1 to 6. Once again, a message came to me from Yahuwah, son of man. Give your people this message. When I bring an army against a country, the people of that land choose one of their own to be a watchman. When the watchman sees the enemy coming, he sounds the alarm to warn the people. And if, then if those who hear the alarm refuse to take action it is their own fault if they die they heard the alarm but ignored it so the responsibility is theirs if they had listened to the warning they could have saved their lives but if the watchman sees the enemy coming and it doesn't and doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people he is responsible for their captivity they will die in their sins but i will hold the watchman responsible for their deaths what was also the purpose the sounding of an alarm. It was to prepare the people of God of uh, incoming danger, right? This is why watchmen were assigned for the purpose of sounding the alarm or blowing trumpets. So when they see the enemy coming, he needs to sound the alarm. That alarm needs to be sounded today because the enemy is at work. Who is our enemy today, brothers and sisters? Yeah, the devil. We need to sound the alarm. When else do we need to sound that alarm? Joel 2 verse 1, but the trumpet, blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble for the day of Yahuwah is coming. It is close at hand. When also must that trumpet be sounded? Bible says when the day of Yahuwah is coming, when it is close at hand. And so we need to sound the alarm, not only because the enemy is doing his very best to try and derail our journey, but also because we want to tell the people of God that the day of Yahuwah is fast coming, fast approaching. We need to prepare ourselves. And so guidance 
so that we can make it through our wilderness journey. It begins by remembering and celebrating how we became God's people in the first place, right? Number two, we need to keep in mind and be focused on our goal. Number three, we need to receive guidance from the cloud and pillar of fire. And number four, we need to be able to understand the sound of the trumpets, what it means, not only to understand what it means, but also to take action according to the sound of the trumpets. However, besides all of these, what also do we need so that we can complete the journey? Let's read Numbers chapter 10, 11 down to 12. In the second year, after Israel's departure from Egypt, Egypt on the 20th day of the second month, the cloud lifted from the tabernacle of the covenant. So the Israelites set out from the wilderness of Sinai and traveled on from place to place until the cloud stopped in the wilderness of Haran. And so after Yahuwah God prepared his people with his instructions, what happened to the cloud? Started to move, right? What does that mean? It meant the people of God has to follow the cloud. They had to move as well. And so they were going to go from place to place. And eventually they stopped at the next stop, which is the wilderness of Paran. But what was Yahuwah's instruction? So that they can go from place to place. Yes, they were given the pillar of light and the cloud. Yes, there was the trumpet, which mobilized and organized the people. However, how were they to carry out this movement from place to place onward to the promised land. Numbers 10, 13 and 16. I'm going to read several verses here, and then I'm going to ask you afterwards concerning your observation and conclusion. I want you to infer from the passages we're going to read next how this applies to us today, okay? Let's read the book of Numbers, chapter 10, 13 down to 16. When the people set out for the first time, Followed the instructions Yahuwah had given through Moses. Judah's troops led the way. They marched behind their banner. And their leader was Nashon, son of Aminadab. They were joined by the troops of the tribe of Issachar, led by Nathanael, son of Zuar, and the troops of the tribe of Zebulun, led by Eliab, son of Elan. And so when it was time to move, when the trumpets were blown, because the assigned people those who were descendants of Aaron, when they saw the cloud moving, indicating it was time to follow Yahuwah God's leading, what, who was supposed to make the first movement? Who was to go first in their march? Yeah, the camp on the east side, which was the camp of Judah, followed by, so the camp of Judah consists, consisted of, of course, the tribe of Judah, followed by the tribe of Issachar, followed by the tribe of Zebulun, who followed next, the Gershonites and the Merorites. Who were they? Levites, right? After the Gershonites and the Merorites, Reuben's troops, the camp on the south side, led by the tribe of Reuben, followed by the tribe of Simeon, followed next by the tribe of Again, afterwards, the Kohatites were to follow. Who were the Kohatites? They were also Levites. Remember, there were three groups of Levites. And so in this order, this marching order, it was organized to be led by the camp of Judah, and then the Gershonites and the Merorites, and then the Reubenites, right? Or the, the camp of Reuben. And then the Kohatite division would follow. And the Ephraim's uh, troops, Ephraim's camp, led by the tribe of Ephraim, then the tribe of Manasseh, and then the tribe of Benjamin. After this, Dan's troops went last, led by the tribe of Dan, the tribe of Asher, and the tribe of Naphtali. Okay, now here's the question. What can you conclude about Yahuwah's people when they move from place to place? What do we need, what do we see what do we actually need so that we can survive the wilderness? What do they need? First of all, you notice 
that the camps were together. You notice that? You see, it's easier to survive, to survive the wilderness when you're with a group than when you are isolated. Do you agree with that? Right? I mean, if you want to survive the enemy, you need to be together. You need to be working together, right? Do you notice that they were very orderly, right? They were working in harmony with each other. They were not destroying each other. They were working together. Every part, every division, every tribe, even among the Levites, they all had their different functions and different works that they needed to do. They knew what to do and when to do it. What do you call that? They were well organized, right? Because for you to be able to survive the wilderness, leading millions of people, you need to be working together. You need to be well organized. And so we, com we can complete the, the guidance protocols so that we can successfully go through the wilderness. Number one, remember and celebrate your beginning. Number two, keep the goal in mind. Number three, we need to follow the, the cloud and pillar of fire. Number four, we need to decode the sound of the trumpets and follow what it says. Number five, we need to work together in harmony, right? Now, are we also going through like a wilderness journey today? We are, right? Because we're not yet in the promised land. We're not yet in the holy city. And we know that the closer we get to judgment day, the closer we get to the end, the closer we get to our salvation, we know it's going to get a lot worse. And we can see all over the world signs of deterioration. And so we are basically going through a similar journey. It may not be, quote, unquote, a physical wilderness, but the elements of danger are still present because there's so many things in this world that can rob us of our salvation. Isn't that true? That's why it's dangerous. We need to make sure we survive our journey. Our journey is not yet done. Remember, and always keep in mind, your baptism, that was not the finish line, right? Your baptism, what was that? <laughs> that was the starting line. What's the finish line? Finish line is when we enter the promised land. God's holy city. That's the finish line. That's where we want to go. We're not yet there. We're still making that journey. And so we need to follow this same pattern so that we will be able to survive the journey. This is not ours. This is Yahuwah's plan for his people, right? We need to do all five of these things. So remember and celebrate your beginning. Okay. What was the beginning of the people of Israel? When God set them free from the people of, from Egypt, right? When God sent out the 10 plagues and spared his people when they put or smeared the blood of a lamb on their doorposts. And so the power of the destroyer passed over them. That was the beginning of God's people. That was the birth of a nation belonging to Yahuwah, our God. Did we also have a beginning? Did we? Do we also have a beginning involving a Passover lamb? Yeah? Who is our Passover lamb? Who is that? That represents our beginning. Who is that? Yahusha, right? And so we need to remember and celebrate our beginning, not as people of Israel, but as the people belonging to Yahusha. How do we do that? Where was that? 2 Corinthians 5, 15 and 17. He died. Who is the one who died there? The he. Yahusha. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So when was our new beginning? The day when we belonged to who? To Christ. 
when we become of Christ or become in union with him, when we were baptized, right? Because when we were baptized, we were added to the body of Christ. Our baptism represents our new beginning. We need to remember and celebrate our beginning in Yahushua HaMashiach. How do we celebrate our beginning in Yahushua HaMashiach? The Bible says we need to live our life, not just for ourselves, no longer live your, your life for yourselves, but live for who? Yahushua. This is our new life. We have a new life in Yahushua. We need to celebrate that. Brethren, if we are no longer, if we are unable to live our life for Yahushua, if we lose sight of Yahushua HaMashiach, we're going to get lost. You agree? We need to keep following him. We cannot go through the wilderness without following Yahushua, the Christ. Well, how about, so that's uh, remembering and celebrating the beginning, right? Number two is keep the goal in mind. What do you think the goal is? We know where the beginning is. Our beginning is our baptism in Yahushua, right? What's our goal? Now that we belong to Christ, what's our goal? Colossians 3, 1 to 4, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your heights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, he will share in all his glory. We know our beginning is in Christ when we were baptized. What is our goal? What is the finish line? The Bible says when we are together with Yahusha in heaven. This is why Apostle Paul instructed us, we who belong to Yahusha, we who have been raised to new life with Christ. He said, set your sights on the realities of heaven. How many here think of heaven all the time? Sometimes we probably have so many plans and dreams and ambitions here on earth. We say to ourselves, oh, I think judgment day is near. I wonder if I still get the chance, if I still will be able to do this and to do that. There's so many things I still want to do. Oh, like what? Uh, travel. I want to visit Zimbabwe. I want to go to New Zealand. I want to go to Hawaii. And so to have these dreams and plans, it's good to have dreams and plans, right? But sometimes we begin to tell ourselves these dreams and plans of ours here on earth. It is much better than the realities of heaven. Oh, no. How many of us still get excited about the reality of heaven? Because sometimes there are people who, when they think of heaven, they're not excited, right? Because they're thinking, oh, heaven's going to be boring, what am I going to do there? Oh, no. It's going to be exciting when we get to the kingdom of heaven. This is why we need to understand that we must set our sights and get excited and have zeal for being with Yahusha, with Yahuwah, there in the kingdom of heaven. But sometimes we kind of uh, dismiss this desire to be in heaven because of our love for what is here on earth. And so Apostle Peter gives us the following reminder. Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. What does Apostle Peter remind us? He's telling us this world, this earth, it's only temporary for us. Do you get that? So do not get too comfortable. Do not get too happy with here on earth because you might be complacent. You might tell yourself, oh, I really love being here on earth to the point that you no longer desire to be with God in heaven. And so we're planning and planning and all we can think about, we're obsessed and consumed only with this life here on earth. Yes, we take responsibility by working hard, by planning for the future. However, we need to remind ourselves, this is the wilderness. This is not the promised land. We have to go through this. This is not our temporary, this is not a permanent home. 
Where's our permanent home? In the kingdom of heaven. You see, when you forget, when you become so comfortable that you forget that you're just a temporary resident here, you're going to be stuck in the wilderness and you're going to miss out on heaven. <laughs> we don't want that to happen to any of us, right? And so what is the instruction of Apostle Paul? The book of Philippians 3, 12 to 14, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Yahushua took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Yahushua. What is the instruction of Apostle Paul so that we don't get complacent, so that we don't end up stuck in the wilderness? We have to press on. What does that mean to press on? It means to work towards the goal. What is our goal? Our real goal is not to have a kingdom here on earth. Our real goal is to achieve and to be in the kingdom of God in heaven so that we can receive the prize. That's the goal. There's an earthly prize, but there's a heavenly prize. Let us make sure that we strive for the real prize, which is the goal in heaven. And how can we recognize those who press on toward the goal? Let's read the book of 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 8. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. How can we press on towards the goal? We have to be willing to fight the good fight. We have to finish our race. Who's a good example of that? The Apostle Paul. Do you know what motivated the Apostle Paul to press on to the prize, towards the prize? To fight the good fight of faith and to finish his race? What motivated him? It's in the last part. Because he longed, he loved, he longed for the appearing of Yahusha HaMashiach. You see, for Apostle Paul, the prize was not really the crown on your head, but what that represented. For Apostle Paul, the real price is to be with who? Yahusha. He could not wait to see his coming. Brethren, we're speaking to you now. Do you also long for the appearing of Yahusha? How much do you long for the appearing of Yahusha? Because there are people who want to be saved. There are people who want to go to heaven. There are people who want to see Yahusha. But how much do you want to be with Yahusha? How deep is your longing for the coming of Yahusha to see him at last? You know how deep the longing of Apostle Paul was? To see Yahusha, which should be our deep desire as well. The book of Philippians 3, 7 to 8. I once thought these things were valuable because Apostle Paul was a successful man, right? He was an accomplished man, highly educated. And he had wealth and fame and wisdom. He said about these things, look what he said. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared. When compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Yahusha, my Lord, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. How deep was the longing of Apostle Paul? which is why he was never stuck in the wilderness, which is why he was pressing forward and onward towards heaven, which is why he was always progressing, never complacent. The Bible says he longed to gain Christ so much to the point that what he considered valuable, he said it was what? 
garbage compared to the infinite greatness of gaining the Christ. Brethren, we need to have that deep desire to want Christ so much we are willing to sacrifice to obtain him. Because there are people who say, I want to be with Christ, but they're not willing to sacrifice anything to be with him. They're going to be stuck in the wilderness. Those who are not stuck, those who are going to break through the wilderness are the ones who desire Yahusha Christ so much. Everything they will consider as garbage compared, compared to being with and gaining Yahusha the Christ. This is why, brethren, number two, we need to keep that goal in mind, right? We need to always fix our goals there. But number three, in our guidance manual, so to speak, we have the cloud and pillar of fire. Don't you wish you had a cloud? How many here wish they had a cloud that they had to, they could follow? How many here wish they had a pillar of fire? I wish we had that too, right? But what could that mean? I mean, what does the cloud, the fire represent? During the Christian era, what do you think that represents? Let's read the book of Acts chapter 2, 1 down to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so the fire, it was really symbolic of what? The Holy Spirit. How about the cloud? In the book of Luke 9, 34, 36, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them. They were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Yahusha was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. And so this was in reference to the transfiguration when they saw Yahusha together with two other figures. Who are they again? Moses and Elijah. Remember that? We'll study that later on. But it's pretty significant, especially as it pertains to our work together today. But we're not going to go there now. Point is, when they saw the transfiguration, they saw a cloud. They entered the cloud. When they were in the cloud, a voice came from the cloud. Whose voice was that? That was the voice of Yahuwah. And if you keep reading further, the voice of Yahuwah said concerning Yahusha, this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. Right? And so the cloud represented the voice of Yahuwah, presence of Yahuwah, the, 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 uh, in terms of the Holy Spirit. And how can we receive guidance today from Yahuwah our God? The book of Romans 8, 9 to 10. But you do not live as... Your human nature tells you to. Instead, you live as the Spirit tells you to. If in fact God's Spirit lives in you. Whoever does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ lives in you, the Spirit is life for you because you have been put right with God. Even though your bodies are going to die because of sin. According to Apostle Paul, if we have the Spirit of God, we can have Christ live in us. Here's my question. What would you prefer? Pillar of fire? Pillar of clouds? Or to have Christ in you? What would you prefer? I would rather have Christ living in me. Right? Is that possible? Yes. How so? By the sending of the Holy Spirit. And so by means of the Spirit of God, we can be guided by God internally, not externally. But internally, to have the presence of Christ live in us. And so that is how we follow the cloud and the pillar of fire during our time. How about decoding the sound of the trumpets? What does that mean, the sound of the trumpets? So what is the sound of a trumpet likened to, according to Apostle Paul? Corinthians 14, 6-9. Now, brothers, 
if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you? Unless I bring to you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction, even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the flute or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played? Unless there is a distinction in the notes. Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air to what is the sounding of the trumpets likened to during our time. It can also be likened to the revelation of God's knowledge or God's words, like prophecy and word of instruction. You see, not only do we need the Spirit of God, we also need what? What do we need? Yeah, what, what do we call the instructions of God again? The words of God. However, when we present the Word of God, how must it be done? It must be done in a clear and distinguished way. Why? So we can distinguish between the notes. This is why when you hear music that is produced by instruments like a trumpet or a harp or a flute, when the notes are not distinct, you don't enjoy the melody. You don't understand the music. It's the same way when it comes to the Word of God. When the Word of God is not communicated clearly and distinctly, we don't get the effect of the Word of God. And so for us to be able to go through the wilderness, we need to also receive the Word of God, which take on different forms. Like what? Knowledge. That's what Apostle Paul says, right? Revelation of God's words, knowledge. Do we need to know the knowledge of God? Yeah. What else? Prophecy. This is why we also study prophecy. It's like a guiding line. What else? Word of instruction. We study all of this. Why? Because we need to distinguish the clarity of God's words. And to be able to do that, to be able to sound the trumpet to be able to proclaim the word of God that will prepare us for the wilderness journey. What do we need from the word of God? Let's read the book of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. Brethren, what do we need so that we can go through the wilderness journey and make it out and complete it and reach the finish line. We need all of scripture. Did you get that? Because if we don't, because if we don't use all of scripture, then it's like we don't have the entire map, right? If you don't have the entire map, what could happen to you in the wilderness? What could happen to you? You can get lost. You can get stuck. God doesn't want us to get stuck. And so what does he do? He gives us all of Scripture. Why? Because all of Scripture is inspired by God. If it's inspired by God, every morsel of Scripture is profitable. Do you believe that? This is why we don't subscribe to the belief that we only study the parts of the Bible that was taught by Brother Felix Manalo, Brother Irani Manalo. No, we study all scripture. Why? Because all scripture was taught by who? The Holy Spirit, right? We don't want to reject that. If you will reject parts of the Holy Scripture, you will be stuck in the wilderness. You need all of it because all of it thoroughly makes us equipped for every good work so that we can complete our journey in our race. And lastly, after sounding the trumpets, we have working together in harmony. We can't 
possibly survive this if we are by ourselves, right? And so according to Ephesians 4, 12, he did this to prepare all God's people for the work of Christian service in order to build up the body of Christ under his control, all the different parts of the body fit together. The whole body is held together by every joint with which it is provided. So when each separate part works as it should, the whole body grows and builds itself up through love. I can only imagine, I don't know if you can imagine, millions of people in the wilderness. And at the, at the sound of the trumpet, depending on the signal, the sound of the trumpet, the Judah, the, the camp of Judah would first leave. And then followed by the Levites, part of the Levites, followed by the Reubenites, right? You notice how orderly they were? Us during our time. To what does the Bible liken us to? We're likened to a body. Whose body? Body of Yahusha. In the, in the human body, there are many parts. Is there not? And all the parts, are they important? Yeah. Just like all the different camps, the Levites and their work, the priests and their work, all of that had a purpose. Every Israelite had a purpose. The same way, all of us who have who are parts of the body of Yahusha, we all have different gifts, different purposes. Well, what is the purpose of God in giving us these gifts? It is for the work of Christian service. And when each separate part works as it should, what happens to us? We build ourselves up through love. And that is what we need. We cannot survive without each other. It was by design. This is why we're called the flock. The sheep of Yahusha belong together. They're gathered together, right? They're not in isolation. They're led by a shepherd. They're, work, they're gathered together. In the same way, we are gathered together. We are different parts of the same body. And because we are different parts of the same body, what should we accord one another? Let's read the final passage of our studies today, the book of Philippians Chapter 2, 1 down to 4. Your life in Christ makes you strong. And his love comforts you. You have fellowship with the spirit. And you have kindness and compassion for one another. I urge you then to make me completely happy. By having the same thoughts. Sharing the same love. And being one in soul and mind. Don't do anything from selfish ambition. Or from a cheap desire to boast. But be humble toward one another, always considering others better than yourselves. And look out for one another's interests, not just for your own. If you had a selfish frame of mind during the days of Israel in your wilderness journey, you would not survive during our time when the devil is out like a roaring lion seeking to devour us we cannot survive unless we have the same love and concern for one another because this is what is required of us for those who live in Christ we live in Christ this is what Yahushua expects that we humble ourselves how do we show our humility the Bible says let us always consider others better than ourselves. Look out for others' interests, not just our own. And so show kindness and compassion to one another. This is how we can work together so that we will be able to complete our journey. God has given us guidance, right? He reminds us that we belong to Yahushua the Christ. That's our beginning. We have a solid foundation. We have a calling. Our election is sure. We have a finish line. We know where we're going. We're guided by the Spirit of God. Christ lives in us. We have been given the words of God. We study diligently all Scripture. Now it's time to work together and use all the knowledge through the gifting of the Holy Spirit. So that we can work together towards one common goal. That is to complete our race.
complete our journey and enter into the promised holy city. That is our lesson. Let us stand, brethren, and we shall pray together. Everlasting Yahuwah God, yes. thank you so much for equipping us with knowledge so that we can take the necessary preparations and actions to be able to complete our race, to fight the good fight of faith, that we can receive the crown of righteousness as we long for the appearing of your beloved son. Father, we don't know when you will send him to us. How we long, how we long for that day. We cherish the opportunity that as we wait for that day to experience you, to experience him, your son, in our life, in our hearts, by means of your spirit, daily guide us, help us and speak to us in a still very small voice. Yes. That you have guided your people across the ages. Yes. May you use your voice yes. to speak gently into our hearts. Yes. Let us know your will. And give us boldness to follow through yes. until we finish our race. Amen. Sometimes in our journey across the wilderness, yes. we get lost. Sometimes we lose hope. Yes. Sometimes we face danger and are overwhelmed. Father, rescue us. Rescue us with your mercy. As you have done your people of old. Do likewise for your people today. Because we are at the end of our journey. Help us to continue until that end. That we can be victorious when you finally will send your son. Yahushua HaMashiach, we praise you and we invite you daily, please, dwell in our hearts by means of faith. We trust you. We will follow your leading as you dwell in our hearts every day. Help us to be bold. Help us to be strong. Help us to finish our race. Father, thank you for providing all of our needs. May you please bless those who are in places of danger. May you rescue and set them free. May you remember those afflicted with any kind of disease. May you heal us all of our sicknesses. Father, we believe you have listened to our prayers. For we ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior. Yahusha Hamashiach. Amen. Amen.